Well, whenever I knew I was headed to pastor's conference and I wouldn't get back till Friday since Dean's retired <laughs> and only worked six days this week, he agreed to do the sermon anyways, and I'm glad he does. I'm always good to be here to hear him. So, like Dean up. I'm going to plug them in and turn them on, too. So. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, we don't want to do chords and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. There we go. All right. Well, as as always, it's a it's a privilege for me to have an opportunity to speak to the body, and uh, trust the Lord that what I'm going to be saying is what the Lord wanted me to say, and I figured generally it is because it's such a wrestling match for me, and I I so appreciate what Kevin goes through every single week, and I only have to do it once in a while because um, you, you're. Always concerned that uh, you, you know, you're saying what the Lord wants you to be saying and not just some harebrained idea you came up with. And so that's a big part of it. And this, this week was no different. In fact, a little more difficult in, in the sense of what I'll be preaching on is, uh, not unusual in the scripture, but maybe a little unusual in my presentation. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. So, uh, hopefully you'll bear with me and, Follow me as I go through this. Um, just like uh, it seems to be the case, uh, last night, you know, I'm finishing everything up, and I'm like, I think I got it. And then this morning, I'm like, no, I don't think I got it. <laughs> so, so then I have to clean it back up. So, so uh, brother Kevin just deals with this all the time. I, I only have to do it once in a while, so it's great for me. Um, the title is "Grace Enabled." That's the title of the the sermon, "Grace Enabled." Um, a big part of this is based on, you know, what Bill was praying about, what we prayed about in general with the Ukraine, the war between the Ukrainians and the Russians, and all that's been going on there, and what Kevin prayed about as well. And um, so it's been heavy on my heart. I know it's probably been the same for all of you here as we read and we, we see these um, things that are going on, atrocities and, and all that. So it, it's somewhat shaped uh, this sermon as well, and I, I knew that beginning of the week when, well, actually a little before that when Kevin actually mentioned this, that, that I'd be going in this direction. So part of this is to bring about, not to focus on that, but to focus on what we as believers are supposed to be doing, and and how do we deal with such adversities, how do we deal with such uh, difficulties, how do we view um, this world that is in turmoil, uh, not that there's anything new under the sun, but yet when we're confronted with it, it's still a big deal and it's still very upsetting uh, when we're looking at these things. And one of the things that uh, caught my attention, uh, and maybe some of you even heard it, you know, because I, I listen to Christian radio, um, that's pretty much what I do when I'm in my car. And so uh, this family there in the Ukraine, uh, this woman was explaining her, her her ordeal, getting out of where they were at, nearly uh, well, just prior to being bombed. Essentially, her and her husband and children escaped the place they were located, got into their cars, tried to get out of there, and towards the western part of Ukraine. And uh, and now they were concerned if they would even have fuel to get where they're going, and waiting lines, and and all these sort of adversities that they were dealing with, and so. 
uh, this woman was explaining how, how this was going about in their prayer and just trusting the Lord to somehow make a way because they didn't see this going too well with waiting lines at gas stations. She was explaining that a lot of the gas stations would run out of gas before you got to the pump, and then now what? You know, and you're about to run out of fuel. So these these were some of the adversities. And so they, they miraculously got to where they were going, to this western area. And then um, she's part of a ministry group. And so part of that ministry group showed up there as well. Uh, they managed to make it there. And they had uh, their equipment survived all of this. And they actually set up a small studio and began broadcasting, which is something they had been doing. But now they're broadcasting this message um, to people that are in dire straits. Okay, so their listening audience had, uh, if you will, much more of an emphasis on we really want to hear something because they're traumatized. They're in a, a situation they have no control over uh, what's going on there. And so the thing that was interesting to me is in all of that, all this was going on, all this difficulty, their focus was what? Ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to the world, to the to their own people. Um, something they had been doing, but now there's um, a big emphasis and now there's a, a, an urgency to the message because people are losing their lives. And so so this became a really big point. And one of the things that I found interesting in, in what she was saying and, and, you know, how she presented it was that people that had been not very receptive to the message of the Lord uh, prior to all of this, because really, I don't know how much of the history of, of Ukraine and the Soviet Union and all that sort of thing, if you, you know about, but under communism for 70 years, you know, communists are atheists and that's their belief system. Okay. So in the last 30 years, they've, they've had a, an awakening, if you will, but mm, let's say it's been a mixed bag. And so as, as she's presenting the gospel in her country prior to this event, a lot of adversity, a lot of skepticism, and a lot of not very friendly things going on there. And then now the Lord opens this door, and there everybody's in crisis, and people are hearing the message and calling them in and coming to Christ. People that would have not even considered it you know, are now you know, in this terrible situation that's going on. And so she was pointing out that her team's prayer and i know because you know you, you also was mentioned that was brought up earlier um bill mentioned that the pastors are all uh, you know in in ukraine and all around and including in russia are trying to minister they're trying to minister to the people you know because the, there's a crisis and people are hearing the message and so her message was also to the russian people as well the invaders okay because not all of them are in agreement with what's going on here but the point was she, she'd made a statement that I found very interesting and whether or how close uh, it might be to reality isn't so much the point, but her, her point was, and if, again, if you've read anything or know anything about their history, uh, she felt that the Lord was bringing upon them a judgment because of what's gone on in their country for so long, because of the corruption and a whole lot of other stuff. There's probably some degree of truth in that. We can look at the Old Testament and see how many times was Israel punished for what they were doing. Okay, how many times did God use invaders to bring about a result? All right, not that we want that because guess what? 
I think we're all guilty in this country and every other country if you want to go with that route of believing or understanding what's going on. And as I looked at that, and I understand what she was saying, her point was we need revival in our country. Well, I've been praying for revival in our country for a long time, and I'm sure everybody else here has been as well. And so she's looking at a harvest out of a very difficult situation. And so I think there's a positive, okay? If we can grasp some positive out of this, people are coming to Christ. There's a positive in that. And then one of the things that always rushes back into my mind, and uh, Dan Johnson and I have discussed this more than a few times over the years, what the prophet Jeremiah said in uh, Jeremiah 17:9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's a rhetorical question by the prophet. Only God can know it and understand it. But that evil will continue. And so we're constantly in this battle, if you will, against that force. You know, that that's for all of us as believers all the time. And our, during this week, uh, earlier this week, Kim and I decided to watch a movie, and, and a movie I hadn't seen before. Maybe all you uh, saw it, but it came out in 05. Um, and it was part of uh, a series, the Left Behind series, if you're familiar with that, um, that whole series. Uh, by uh, Mr. Lay, uh, I guess he was a pastor, and his uh, team put together, and this one was called World at War. So how apropos, World at War. And I'm going, oh, okay, this one could have some relevance, and I had not seen it, and I'd never read the books, but I had the general drift of what was going on that. And in that movie, this Nikolai uh, Carpathius is uh, portrayed as the Antichrist. Okay, and if you guys know the movie, then you, you kind of know how it goes along. But in this movie, as we're, we're watching it, um, the part that's getting very interesting is that the, the United States and everybody else apparently decided to turn their security and sovereignty over to this called global community. And I'm going like, well, that sounds a little more close to what's maybe going on in the world than we would like to believe, uh, this being back in 05. And so I'm, it's got all our, in, you know, my interest anyway. I'm going like, man, this is very interesting. And so, uh, they're promising peace and prosperity to all the world and all its inhabitants and all these sort of things. And, of course, if you read the Bible, there seems to go along quite well with what the Antichrist is planning or going to do or say or whatever. And so that was an interesting thing, except they got one problem. It's these pesky Christians. They keep wanting to evangelize the world. And that's uh, like uh, not what they want and certainly not what the Antichrist wants. And so they have to get rid of them. And so what do they do? They use biological weapons against them. I'm going like, well, this is sounding more and more like what we've been experiencing for possibly the past two years. Not just the guests, but everybody else too. And so they infect Bibles and then let the Christians steal the Bibles and then infect all the other Christians. And so it's very amusing kind of thing because, like I said, never seen it. And so... In this process, they're trying to kill Christians, all right? Well, that's not a new thing either, is it? I mean, that's been going on a really long time, and that's not changed, and it's still, we see the persecution of the church continues. And the question becomes, how do we, as believers, deal with persecution? Because in in my personal belief, it's not going to get less. It's going to be more. We're going to see some more of that. And everything I see in the Scripture seems to indicate we're going to get some more of that. And it's not going to wait. And so how are we going to deal with that? Now, again, I don't know what your personal views on eschatology is. That's end time you know, prophecy. Uh, I would say um, at least three out of the four views are represented here. Uh, I've 
I taught on it, and Pastor Kevin has taught on the, on the subject as well. And so uh, you can all uh, work your way through uh, those issues or, or what you believe about it. Uh, a source that we've used here is the uh, Four Views of, of the End Time Prophecy. And um, so that book is available. Um, that's Pastor's, oh, I don't know if he's Pastor, but Steve Gregg is the, the author of that book, and it, it's an excellent book. And so if you're not sure where you fall in the Four Views, well, then you can certainly go ahead and... and, and uh, Look through that. Uh, preterist is one, historicist another, futurist, and then the idealists. And so you can pick and choose which one. I know based on, you know, conversations with a lot of folks here, we have a, a general idea. I have an idea of what most people think uh, about it, but I think, uh, most everybody has the one idea that I think they generally accept. And that, of course, is the pan theory, which means it will all pan out the way God decided it would pan out. No, no matter which one of these you're selecting as being the one. As I was working my way through and, and seeing this, I'm going, well, Lord, what what is it that you'll have for us? What is this body of believers, this little tiny body of believers sitting on top of a mountain in the middle of north central Idaho, uh, what is it that we're to do? Where, where do we fall into this whole big picture? And And I think it's, Yes, we're in a sense isolated, protected, if you will, because of where we live. And many have come here from uh, other locations, believing the Lord sent them to this location. Now, whether it was for protection or other things, that not even so much the point, but the Lord sent us here for some reasons. And many of you who lived here all your life, well, just this is where you've always been. And so this is what you've always known. But still, we all as believers have a, a responsibility. And and what is that going to look like? How do we impact our neighbors and our friends and our family members uh, with Christ, with the with this message? Uh, we see how it. I, I don't want to be forced into the situation like what's going on in Ukraine and other parts of the world. Where boy, that's you know, it's come to that. We have to pray, you know, or that kind of a situation. We don't want that. Um, but then at the same time, I'm going like, well, all right, how do we? How are we going to do this? How do we deal with that? And I was thinking about it. Well. God's given us grace, and the thing we can do is give others grace, the same grace that was given to us. You know, I know a lot of us have dealt with family members and just the general public who have not been very nice, let's say, uh, particularly over these past two years. Uh, It's been a very difficult time because of the pandemic and what we hear in certain media outlets saying one thing and then what many of us who... Uh, read other things have come to realize may not exactly have been ex- you know the truth and so so it becomes a difficult thing and then if you bring forth some other ideas you're you know looked down upon and frowned upon and that sort of thing and so again is it my job to get everybody to be convinced of what i think with regards to what just happened the past 10 uh, two years no no our responsibility is still the gospel it's still to extend grace to those that don't agree with us, to those that don't believe as we believe, to those in our family that uh, may have decided uh, they shouldn't talk to us anymore. And that was really heart-wrenching for a lot of folks because they disagreed with how they saw things with this pandemic and everything else. Who would have thought a disease that should have been a unifying thing became such a divisive thing? You know, it's just very strange. 
and then that just goes along with the, the whole politics that we've been dealing with for for quite a long while in our own nation. So I looked at it and I'm going like, well, where are we going? What are we going to do? And I, when I gave uh, uh, Kevin this verse, I'm sure he was scratching his head. How does grace enabled work with Luke 10:19? So you might want to turn there, Luke 10:19. You might want to go there and see. All right, so um, this verse is. Um, well, for many Pentecostals, just kind of like our, our normal verse, but a lot of folks mistake it, I think. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. So a lot of us uh, in the Pentecostal church uh, taken that to mean something, I think, a little different than what God really intended here. It, in, in my circle, it was like almost this idea that we're going to go play around with snakes and uh, we'll do a tap dance on some scorpions and we're not going to get injured. Well, no, that's not really what that was all about. That was really all about the fact that we all go through trials and tribulations and difficulties, but God is the one that protects us. He's the one that keeps us. And the objective is that we're supposed to be in his will. And even though I know back east where we were from, uh, there's certain groups in Appalachia seem to have some very weird ideas about this called snake handling and that sort of thing. That, that again, they, they kind of went off a, a tangent when that, when they came up with that idea. I think the picture that, that we focus on, or at least is in my mind that we focus on, is that we as believers have a responsibility to stay focused on the things of the Lord, knowing trials and tribulations are coming our way and we're always dealing with them anyhow, and that when those trials and tribulations come, that the Lord is with us, that he's the one that strengthens us, and that his grace is sufficient to do what? Meet all our needs, right? It, it, that grace is there. It doesn't mean it's all perfect. doesn't mean that everything goes the way we hope, but it does mean it's available. And so it is this idea in my mind that we pass that on to others by being gracious towards them, particularly when they're not being very gracious towards us, particularly when they're not being very kind towards us. And so that's when we have this opportunity. Going back to that Ukrainian woman I spoke of earlier, what was she doing? She was extending grace to the Russians who were attacking her country by wanting them to know who Christ was so that they would have the hope of glory, that they would be saved. Because many of the Russians are dying too. Case, you know, you know, I'm sure you've read about it. So there's a lot of death and destruction. But in her mind, it was, no, they need salvation too. They, I know they're attacking, but they need salvation. And I need to pass that grace on to them. All right. Similarly, when we're being attacked, and let us just say in a, in a much more mild way for our faith or our beliefs or whatever, our politics, whatever, we equally need to be gracious and showing grace Mainly, in my mind, again, for the opportunity to present the gospel message. I never saw anybody beat over the head coming to Christ. I could take this Bible, whack them in the head a couple of times. That doesn't convince them to be a Christian. It just makes them mad. All right? So I think there's a point there where we need to be convinced of what the Word of God says and, and, and a little less convinced of what our politics or all that other stuff might be about. Because in the end of the day... We're going to stand before the Lord. He ain't going to ask if we're a Democrat or a Republican. He's not going to ask if we were for the pandemic, against the pandemic, or whatever. That's all he's going to be asking us about. 
That's not the point of what we're doing here. Yes, we have to be diligent. Yes, we have a great nation. Yes, as believers and men and women of God, we have an opportunity and should. We want to preserve this great nation for our children, our offering, etc. In the, I'll say, going back quite a while, the way we found it, if I, if I can say that, and that's going back quite a while. Yeah, we have that responsibility, but in my mind, again, the greater responsibility is bringing people to Christ because that's what's going to matter when we're before the Lord, and that's what's going to count the most. Something that really bothered me during this whole pandemic thing, and, and I'm, I know I'm not the only one, and I was listening to Dennis Prager, if any of you know who he is. He's a conservative uh, talk, uh, talk uh, not talk show, but radio, um, and he's a Jewish fellow, and um, he said something this week that I hadn't really thought about it, but he said of all the um, issue regarding this whole pandemic, the thing that truly should have been the most alarming for all of us is that how easily all the houses of worship, whether Jewish, whether Muslim or Christian or others, were shut down, silenced. The places of hope in a dark time were closed. The places where people could fellowship and, 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 and strengthen one another, shut down, closed. And uh, I hadn't really thought about it, but he's pointing that, that that was worldwide. It wasn't just here, everywhere. And then some of the really silly things that happened when they started letting some folks into church, telling them, you can't sing. Now, I don't know, for Christians, that's kind of important. We did a whole lot of singing this morning, didn't we? Yeah, okay, so no, you're not allowed to sing. And and what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to praise the Lord. That's called, part of that's called singing and praising and worshiping. And yet, the whole world so easily fell to that. And that bothered me because of in conjunction with watching this movie this week, I'm observing how they were all shut down as well in this, in this particular movie, this narrative that was displayed in the movie. I don't know how we address this in the future, but as uh, Dennis Prager was saying, the lockdown was far worse than the pandemic itself. And the fact that liberties and the most important of that, the ability for all persons to worship by whatever means they worship was shut down, created more problems than the pandemic itself had created. And again, I don't know how in the future, if this happens again, I'm not sure how we deal with it, all right? But I think we need to be awake and awaken to the fact that it got done once, not to say it can't happen a second time. Um, I was thinking about this as I, I was reading through and studying this. Uh, we have a song, Grace, Grace, God's Grace. Uh, it's, a, it's a fabulous song. Um, the last part of that song is marvelous, infinite, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to see his face, will you this moment his grace receive? Then it goes on, God's uh, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. That's a fabulous message for us. That's a message that we can take to heart.
Second Corinthians nine, I'd like to read from. Second Corinthians nine, six through ten. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, and this is what he says. Now, this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have abundance for every good deed. Now, we normally associate just with just tithing, and that's usually where it's used, and, and you know, that sort of thing. But no, it's more than that. It's way more than that. It's in everything that we're giving out. It's in everything that we're doing. We sow. We sow abundantly. For all our farmers here, they know if they don't do a lot of sowing, they're not going to get a whole lot of reaping. Right? So it's the same thing here. If you're going to sow grace, all right, you have the opportunity to reap grace. We were given grace. We have an opportunity to give grace out. And, and I think that's an important point for us. Uh, I also came across my mind was uh, uh, Meshivafes. Now, I didn't say it exactly correct, but if you remember who that is, say that five times with me really quickly. No, no. Yeah, okay. So that is, uh, that is Jonathan's son who was crippled. Okay? Saul's grandson. Now, if you remember the story, uh, he was crippled uh, during an escape. He was injured as a young child. Saul, whose son, um, Jonathan, had this young boy. Both Saul and uh, Jonathan were killed eventually, um, as we know that. And this young child is left on his own, raised by another. And David finds out about this, all right, and says, hey, you can come in my home and eat at my table and be like my own son. Well, that's tremendous grace given. You know why? Because Saul tried everything he could to kill David. And David was his son-in-law, if we forget. But that didn't stop Saul from trying to kill him. And so yet, David shows grace to this young man who didn't deserve any, right? But he instead restores him, not just to sit at his table, but he restores all the lands of Saul, his grandfather, to him. And then appoints servants over the land to take care of it for him. That's tremendous grace to be able to do that. You know, in ancient times, you killed your enemy, you killed all of them. You didn't just stop with the first two. You took out the whole family. And so this is what he looked at. Again, going back to that movie, World at War. In this, uh, Kirk Cameron, he's a gentleman. He eventually, I guess, he comes to become a Christian and... And uh, he shows grace to the persecutors. His wife is infected with this disease and possibly going to die. And he's pretty, for, pretty sure she probably will. Yet his objective is to reach the President of the United States with the message of grace and salvation. And in this movie, he does. And the President becomes a believer. And here, this President... Wittingly or unwittingly, because in the movie, of course, he realizes he's been duped. The president realized he, he fell for a trap. Is realizing this devastation upon the United States of America it was a big part of his doing. And then the, the slaughtering of Christians with biological warfare. 
Yet this person seeks him out for the purpose of witnessing Christ to him. That's grace. I mean, instead of being, which you would think, you know, angry, upset, I'm about to lose my wife because you did what you did and it's costing me my family. Instead, um, seeks him out and he, he comes to faith in Jesus Christ. It's, it's an astounding thing. And as I was you know, watching the movie, realizing that, again, that's our responsibility as believers. You know, persecution aside, which I think is coming, um, you know, we still have a responsibility to the persecutors to present the gospel of Christ and to show them grace, even when they're showing us none. We still have that responsibility. And so, again, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. In 1 Timothy, if you'll turn there, 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17. Now, the Apostle Paul, Timothy is like his son in the spiritual sense, and probably really because of the age difference, almost like in a physical way, that the way Paul uh, looks at Timothy. But if you look at that and read that, again, we see this, this mention of grace. We again see the Apostle Paul, as he's recognizing this in verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because... He considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly and in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Jesus Christ. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I was, I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Christ uh, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience, an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul, a persecutor when he was Saul, a, a killer, one going after Christians, yet redeemed, shown grace, and then he becomes one of the great apostles. Most of what we have in the New Testament written by him. And so we should not look at those that are our adversaries, or those that are persecutors, or those that are doing not nice things as beyond hope, because there's hope. And we're the hope to them if we're willing to put ourselves out to do that. We pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you uh, give us grace, and you give it to us abundantly and freely. And Lord God, that our hearts would not be hard, but that we would be tender towards those that would persecute us, come against us, lie about us. But Lord God, that we would recognize that they're in a difficult location, that they don't know you, and they need to see grace in action. And that can be seen through your family, your children, the body of Christ. Lord, I do pray that you give us the wisdom that we need to look at every situation with your lens of compassion and kindness. Lord God, realizing that all 
have the opportunity for salvation and that we may be the, the one person that meets this individual at the right time to present the gospel of grace that they might come to know you. I pray that you be with us this week. Keep and protect every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.